welcome to the University of Coruscant. As part of your enrollment here, you have access to the attached Holonet recording. You've selected a lecture by Dr. Sonny Ravencourt on galactic history. You've selected a lecture by Dr. Sonny Ravencourt on superweapons, the Death Star. If you have any questions about this lecture or wish to contact us, please visit universityofcoruscant.com. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Everybody calm down. Before I begin, as an agreement with Dean Fertura, Fertura? Fertura, not a settlement in any way accepting fault on my part, I have agreed to read the following prepared statement before this lecture. I, Dr. Sonny Ravencourt, honorary, do I have to say honorary every time? I, fine. I, Dr. Sonny Ravencourt, <coughs> do hereby apologize for mispronouncing Dean Fortuna's name in previous lectures. This includes Dean Fortuna, Santana, Lablasta, Yomasta, and Gambino. Wow, I was really off on that last one. And I shall endeavor to better represent the fine academic history and professionalism expected of all University of Coruscant faculty and students. Go Sabres. End of statement. You guys have been so great to me these past weeks, and there is a big part of me that is sad to say that this is our last class together. Until next semester, at least, right? But to be honest, this has been fairly stressful, even for a Holonet star such as myself. In an attempt to relax a bit, well, I ordered a little something to help me unwind a little bit. It wasn't easy, but you gotta hand it to Wookiee Ingenuity. They were able to install that steam tub right into my office. Now, they were a little bit concerned about the weight of it, but I assured them that they wouldn't have put my office directly above Dean Bananas if they were worried about that. It turns out that they started to fill it before they left. Now. Since then, they've told me that I was right there when they said that I would need to turn it off, but honestly, I was just looking at that painting you guys made of me on that bantha. You know, I had to hang it in my office because the darn thing kept falling into the incinerator chute in the staff lounge. Anyways, there was quite a bit of water on the floor of my office after a few hours. But thankfully, it turns out that it drains pretty quickly and it goes somewhere. I mean, I'm a history teacher, not an engineer. Speaking of engineers, I'm going to have to ask them about where that does go. I saw a bunch of them before class heading over to talk to the dean. Well, I mean, regardless, it really has been a great semester. So here we are at the end. Think about all the spectacular weapons that we've seen and discussed. Weapons of all types and shapes and sizes. So what's left? Well, I mean, there's a lot that's left, but they only pay me to teach so many classes a semester, so you get what you get. But that doesn't mean that we can't go out with a bang, and we have seen a lot of things that go bang. There's a guy with a melee weapon, and then there's a guy with a blaster, but the next guy, well, he has a rifle, and the guy after that, a mounted weapon. 
Oh, look out, though. The next guy's got a ship, but he's flying against turbo lasers. Each thing is a little more deadly than the last, so where does this all end? There's always a bigger weapon. Right up until there isn't. This amazing galaxy of ours is full of light and wonder. It has produced art and music, the likes of which we could never consume all of. But with the light comes the dark. It has also produced some weapons that are so devastating that there just isn't anything more destructive. This category is the end, and I mean that in every sense of the word. I give you super weapons. Now, what makes a super weapon? As the famous Supreme Galactic Justice Pottership Stewardu said, I know one when I see one. And honestly, that's about as good as it gets. All of them can do extreme amounts of damage, no doubt, and that's usually on the planet-ending scale, but they're not all gigantic. Now, some of them are, and honestly, if it made it into this category, it's too great in scope to be just crammed in with a bunch of other super weapons all into one lecture. So I'm going to switch this up a little bit and just talk about one of them. My favorite one. Measuring 120 kilometers in diameter, boasting an equatorial trench that was 503 kilometers long, that was no moon, it was a space station. It was Project Stardust come to life. Formerly known as the DS-1 Orbital Battle Station, it was the Death Star. But wait, you might say, wasn't there another Death Star that was even bigger, like, say, a third bigger in diameter? No, I say. I much prefer talking about the first Death Star because one, it was the first. The first of something is always more interesting in a historical conversation. Nobody from a planet cares about who the second person was to discover a large landmass. Nobody cares who the second person was to climb a legendary mountain. And when it comes to Death Stars, I just don't care about the second one. I mean, they didn't even complete the thing. Yes, I mean, it was operational, I guess, but I mean, it didn't blow up any planets or travel in hyperspace. All it did was look half-finished and shoot some ships. But the first Death Star? Well, that was just as much fact as it was legend, and it makes for an excellent history class. Most of the history of the Death Star is what I like to call agreed upon, meaning that most sources agree. I already gave you the 120-kilometer diameter and that crazy 503-kilometer trench, but it also had 10,000 turbo lasers, 2,500 ion cannons, and 738 tractor beam emplacements. I mean, with weapons like that, in that number, this thing was clearly designed for a large-scale attack. Some will say that it didn't consider a small one-manned fighter, but that seems like a crazy thing, right? I mean, a battle station that didn't consider a particular type of attack? I think it's really unfair to say that. It had somewhere between seven and 9,000 fighters on board and tens of thousands of support craft. Not only that, but the scale of putting a Star Destroyer on board the Death Star was like putting a crumb into your pocket. Some statistics I actually find pretty humorous. 
While the Death Star housed almost 2 million people in 357 levels, it had an operating crew of 342,953. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sure that at some audit they calculated that number and that's what they ran with. But, I mean, what if Stormtrooper Eddie calls in sick that morning? Well, I mean, I guess the super laser is going to have to wait until he gets back, right? Oh, and great. He took the keys to the hyperdrive home with him. <sighs> Nobody likes Eddie. The Death Star took approximately 19 years to complete. However, before you go congratulating a staff on the bang-up job, you should know that without delays, it should have taken two years to complete. If you're building a house and plan on having it done in two years, but it turns out that it takes 19, well, I mean, a lot of things are going to happen. First, somebody's getting fired. In the Galactic Empire at that time, that means killed. Fired means killed. I imagine a lot of people were fired over a 1,000% delay in completion time. Second, there is a reason that a delay like that happens. In this case, there was two reasons. The first was that they were working with brand new invented technology, and that technology was specifically related to the super laser. The Death Star wasn't just a mobile suitcase for ships and turbo lasers. It had a giant laser of its own, uh, the pretty poorly named Super Laser. Everything else on the Death Star was already known technology at the time that they built it. They just amped it up to ridiculous levels. They already knew that the hyperdrive would work. They just needed a really, really big one. But the Super Laser had never been seen before. If you believe in stories, the lead engineer Galen Urso was responsible for those delays, and he was actually doing it intentionally. That brings us to the next reason for the delays. Sabotage. Now, I do believe the sources when they talk about Galen Urso. Many sources say that Urso lost faith in the Galactic Empire and began to internally sabotage his own work particularly Project Stardust, which became the basis for the actual Death Star. Delay after delay in the design of the super laser stretched out the completion until finally, I guess he was just forced to complete it, presumably under some sort of threat. He died at around the time of completion, so, I mean, that theory seems pretty logical. But the final thumb in the old eye stock of the Empire came after Urso's death. We all know that the Death Star was destroyed by the Rebel Alliance, and we all know that it happened as a result of some sort of chain reaction instigated by the Jedi Luke Skywalker. Honestly, not even the Galactic Empire, famous for their propaganda, was able to spin this thing in a positive light. You've all heard the story of how Skywalker somehow curved a proton torpedo 90 degrees down an exhaust vent, which hit the hypermatter reactor, causing it to blow up. But only recently is that story actually starting to make sense. And it comes back to our engineering friend, Galen Urso. Urso had the ability both in ingenuity and in access to make the Death Star a balloon waiting to pop. And I mean, that's the only thing that makes sense. I refuse to believe that the same guy who engineered a laser that actually worked at the scale that you could blow up a planet could somehow unintentionally allow the whole Death Star to explode from one well-placed proton torpedo? 
and say what you want about the Death Star. The fact is that it worked. The first Death Star fired three times. It fired a limited power shot at the planet Jedha and obliterated Jedha City and thousands of miles around it. Then it inexplicably moved over the planet Scarif and completely wiped a high-security Empire facility out of existence. Remember, this was an Empire weapon. I would love nothing more than to find out exactly how that happened. And finally, the only time a Death Star ever truly demonstrated its true power, well, it completely blew up the peaceful and beautiful planet Alderaan. And we might as well end our story there, right? The first Death Star, in my mind, is really a metaphor for the entire Galactic Empire. Force and power on a previously unimagined scale, brought down instantly in the most unlikely of fashions. And speaking of the end, here we are. Well, I mean, almost. We can't really leave without a final question from the class, can we? Okay, who's gonna step up one last time? Hello, Professor. Well, if it isn't our young friend Blur Lightfire, how did you enjoy your classes this semester? I loved them. I don't think I'm gonna keep taking Wookiee cooking next semester, though. Yeah, I can't say that I'd recommend that to a human. Everything is a bit undercooked for my liking. Also, I am not a fan of hair. How can we help you today? What was your favorite weapon this semester? Well, this is a fantastic question, and I am always happy to talk about what I think. I'm going to have to go with the light whip. I'm just fascinated by it. I don't think I've ever read about a more dangerous weapon to both the user and the target. I mean, it's just an insane piece of tech, and 99.9% .9 of the people who are even capable of using the thing, meaning the Jedi, well, they're philosophically against the weapon itself. I mean, how crazy is that? I just, I love it. And so, my faithful companions, we have come to the end of our journey. It has been an honor and a privilege to guide you through an entire semester's worth of galactic history. Dean Fazuna and I have a meeting shortly to discuss my future here at the university, which can only mean that I'll be returning in the spring with a renewed vigor for education and, presumably, a larger salary. But before I go, I do have a gift for you all. Please look under your hover chairs and you will find your very own miniaturized Imperial Probe Droid! These were a favorite of mine, but you should be really careful with them because they do have a tendency to explode if you jostle them too much. Again, thank you so... Hey, look! Dean Finlama has joined us for the last class. Please come down and say hello. Oh, watch your step for that box of probe droids. Includes your selected lecture from the University of Coruscant. For all questions or to contact us, please visit universityofcoruscant.com.